So, welcome to episode five of the White Shark Interest Group podcast. We have been getting some fantastic reactions to previous episodes. And if you are listening to this now and you are not a member, White Shark Interest Group is Facebook's largest white shark specific group. We're currently nearly, nearly, nearly at 47,000 members. So, we'd like you, if you're listening to this and you're not a member, get over there to Facebook, search the White Shark Interest Group, and please check us out. Come join us. And give us a shout out when you get asked the question, why do you want to join the group? Say, heard the podcast. We've had a couple of these now, which is cool. People saying, I heard the podcast. I want to come join the group, get into the discussions, debates, see some of the photos, videos, and things as well. Educate, conserve, and protect is our motto. So with me today, back with the gang again, we have fellow admins, Melissa Michelson. Hi, everyone. And Javier Rios. Hello, everybody. It's nice to get back on a chat again. So last, yes, it is. last episode, uh, sorry, we had Catherine Curzon from New Zealand, who's been kind of all over the world doing a, a shark. Did you guys get a chance to check that out? Yes, I did. And I have to thank Catherine. It was actually my favorite podcast episode so far. So oh. it was very exciting. I couldn't wait until you put the, the cast out, Ricardo. It was one of those I was kind of chomping at the bit to hear. <laughs> I mean, she's so positive about what she does. Somebody did say on the group which was interesting a comment i just want to just quickly pick up on that was mentioned about the word conservation getting used in a in a conversation like that with Catherine, and it's interesting some people see that word conservation very differently because to me, what Catherine's doing is educating, sharing her, her attitude and her education and her experience. Is that, to me, is part of conservation, would you not say? Yes, I would. I would definitely say educating the public and making yourself accessible like Catherine has always helps when it comes to conservation and advocacy for animals. Education is where it starts. Yep. It's great that we have people like Catherine that are willing to sit down and, and discuss this and share her knowledge with us. It's a gift, in my opinion. Always grateful when somebody will give us their time. Indeed, indeed. Yes, exactly. And also, uh, she sounds so like, you know, sharing her experiences and all the challenges she, she had to go through physically and also, of course, economically to get out there uh, throughout the world and try to make things happen by educating uh, everybody, especially kids. Exactly. Because there are the future. We see younger people getting involved now more than ever in shark conservation. Yeah. And not only shark, the ocean period, but it's good that since we mainly shark, we have to highlight that part of that. And and that happens because people like her going out there and making herself available, like Melissa said, and even yourself putting your movie out there and all the people that we've been, had the luck to know uh, all these years doing this, uh, doing and uh, joining this page and this platform, because uh, it's, it's good to see that it's getting done little by little, but it's working to to the positive of the species. To me, that's thanks to her. And I, I enjoyed it so much that, you know, obviously I had to put a comment to her because it, it was nice to see how genuine and how, you know, wonderful to hear somebody with so many experiences. Yeah, shout out to Catherine for that. If you want to check out that episode, it is episode four of the podcast. Uh, we also, on our second episode, was about conservation as well. So again, when anyone's picking up on that word and saying, what can I do for conservation? I mean, Catherine went all out. She literally, you know, sacrificed a lot of her, her health and well-being to go do this thing. Yeah, she did. So, uh, Abby, you, you very briefly mentioned me and my film there. I'm not going to buy it and do the shameless plug that I always do. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Why not? I'll tell you for why. 
because I've had a couple of people say that they're interested in maybe like, how do you get involved in, in filmmaking with, with sharks and, and how do you even go about doing that? And a couple of our members in the, in the group have also like, you know, are putting together or have put themselves together like documentaries and things that they're trying to make and, and then get into a point of how do I get this out there? What do I do with it? So, so I was going to save that for a future episode. I think uh, I'd be happy to sort of share thoughts on how to, how to put a shark documentary together and how you, the logistics of how you even get on a small boat with a five meter shark swimming around you and have time to think about framing your shot or is the sound working? So all that kind of stuff, I might save that for, uh, for another episode. Speaking of future episodes, guys out there, members and you guys, Melissa, have you? Yes. Really, it's kind of a bit of an open forum, I guess. What kind of things do we want to see on future episodes? What do our members want to hear more about? Some of the upcoming casts that I'm in the works setting up right now is one with um, Mr. Dave Pearson and another with Shark Tagger Chip Megalove. Dave is a member of the Bite Club and he is actually a victim of a negative incident with a shark. I'd like to hold a discussion with him on basically advocate etiquette and um, how we view these incidents and how we react to them and how we can be better advocates and support these victims and support the sharks at the same time. Hmm. You know, so it's topics like that. I I would like to know what the members would like to hear about. Um, if there's other organizations, researchers out there that would like to express the work that their organizations are involved with, reach out to us and maybe we'll give you the time to educate our forum on the work that you're doing. There are so many great organizations all over the world. It's hard for us to keep up with all of them. So it would be nice if our members could be educated a little bit more about what's going on in different places around the world and how they can get involved in their areas. Even if it's something that you might think, if you know somebody that wants to put information out there, even if it's something that we might not agree 100% or it might not be like shark fishing, for example, or something exactly. like that. You know, don't be afraid to reach out to us because yeah we could be sometimes we're gonna be pro shark all the time obviously pro life shark but but we understand that there's there's different layers of everything and we like to always pick the brain of people that know more they know more about fishing than i do so mm. i want to hear what you had to say even though i might not agree with you 100 but they might i might find something in there that i might be able to go okay you know what I, you educate me and i will share our experience back to you but the main thing is for you guys to talk and we're not gonna be uh, you know we're not gonna be rude to you we're gonna be respectful and we we understand that there's a lot of controversial topics out there when it comes to chart but we like to discuss all of them no matter what even the negative positive in the middle it was interesting recently a couple of the posts in there were about uh guys who were maybe involved in going out and tagging mm -hmm. shark tagging and then obviously that can strike much of a debate around, you know, the ethics of tagging, which again, I think a future episode purely about tagging and, and research. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, but it was interesting that, you know, there's some people out there who are involved in, in tagging and fishing who instantly will get a black mark against them from, from some folks that, well, if you're involved in that, then obviously you have no respect and don't love sharks. And that couldn't be further from the truth. There's some there's some real advocates out there and some, some really genuinely good people that are involved in that line of work or similar you know or fishing uh doesn't mean yeah. going out shark fishing you know just because you fish you know does not mean that you're going out game fishing Correct. exactly and i think i would be a bad advocate if i didn't 
recognize the fact that fishermen also play a role in advocacy and conservation. Yes, Um, They do fight for a lot of these regulations and they are interested in protecting species and they do play an important role. These fishermen are our eyes on the sea. Mm -hmm. Way before you had organizations like O-Search and, um, you know, going out and, and doing these tagging expeditions and so on and so forth. A lot of our catch data was based off of fishermen's reports through the years. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Those reports play an intricate role. There's also programs like the Apex Predator Program, which a lot of the land-based shark fishermen use. Of course, not all taggers are created equal. (laughs) Some are a little messy. And then some really take it serious and respect these animals. And they truly love these animals and they're ocean lovers as a whole. I think by denying them that, I think it's an injustice. We all have aspects of these animals that we love. I, I think we have to learn to kind of find a happy medium. If we could all work together, what a force we could be. Yes. And that's something I would like to bring to light in um, future discussions. I don't shy away from the fishing. I grew up in a fishing interest community. I understand it. I respect these men. A lot of the fishermen I know are wonderful husbands, fathers, pet owners. They really do get vilified at times. I'd like to bring, show the other side of it. Some of these guys are great guys. Some of these guys learned from experience. They may have participated in tournaments in the past, and it was through education that they changed their views, and today they want to conserve the species. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like Chip. Michael Love, who is tagging for Massachusetts Marine Fisheries. Dr. Greg Skomel's permit is who he works under. Mm-hmm. And um, he's tagging the white sharks and tiger sharks off of the East Coast here in the U.S. And he's quite a dynamic force. He's doing a great job. These animals are not being removed from the water. He's using a hook that's literally the size of my pinky. It's just something I'd like to bring to light because there are different aspects of advocacy. And I do think that we all need to open our eyes and minds a little to these other aspects and uh, show the good side and not always the ugly side that we see so much of on social media. I think it's just that, isn't it? Social media can can go very black and white, very absolute on these matters. A good example recently is a, is a guy posted in the group who was involved in some shark tagging. Now, unfortunately, it also plastered all over the, the post that he did, the actual fishing club that he was involved with. Uh, and unfortunately, in the past, the fishing club has been involved in a lot of shark fishing which is something that i don't think we you know we do not condone but the guy himself you know was clearly a very stand-up guy and i spoke to him we had a couple of messages back and forth and and he was a you know he was a stand-up guy but unfortunately we can't let a post through there that's just plastered with essentially advertising for a no for a fishing club that you know that had had those issues in the past same with tagging as well you know some guys will post videos while they're out on on tagging expeditions and some phenomenal footage some absolute beauties in there you know great images great videos and, and some great information but you know don't go and plaster all the adverts for your for your business because I don't think that's very fair to the hundreds of other businesses that would love to get advertising to you know forty seven thousand shark advocates. Exactly. As personal experience for myself, I'm one of the ones that actually has opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, I, thankfully, I've been open minded to listen to people. Even though when I started the whole shark 
thing. I was like 100% that recharged everything. I don't, no excuses. I don't care. I was a little blinded, to be honest with you. But it took time for me to educate myself with people educating me. Yes. You know, taking the time. I'm talking about fishermen, yeah. people that tag, people, that, uh, scuba divers, fishermen, even people that were in the different side of the spectrum. They took the time without putting me down, without being rude to me. They took the time on, even if it wasn't, let's say, it started on Facebook, it became a me private message. Or even in person. I met people in person that has actually, like, for example, when I go to the beach, sometimes there's a place that I go that on by Cape Canaveral that you know, there's always people fishing. And I see people fishing sharks, especially a lot of black tips and spinners. And I, it bothers me to see sharks dead on a table. It bothers me. It still bothers me. And that's not going to change no matter what. I, I started talking to the guys. Hey, what the, some of the sharks seem to be small. And they're, you know, they explained to me, well, the thing is like, and they were spear fishing too. And I go, they started kind of trying to explain to me that some of the sharks were already, you know, already got him in the hook and it was kind of die. So, you know, some of the some excuses were a little bit vague, but they tr they took their time and they without being rude because I wasn't rude to them either. Yeah. They were, they took their time to explain to me, listen, we, we're just going out there and we catch a shark and we eat them. We don't, uh, we're not trophy fishermen. Uh, as you can see, these are not sharks that I would mount on my wall. Things like, little things like that, just people taking the time to educate and I've been able to kind of like, not change my mind, but seeing things from a different angle, from a different point of view. Yeah. It's opening dialogue, isn't it? It's having it's having a, a meaningful dialogue with someone, and and if you start applying the social media rules of absolutes, black and white, when you come to shark advocacy, you're not going to have much of a meaningful discussion because you, if you, for instance, like with fishermen, uh, like you were saying there, that Javier, that you're talking to these guys, and you're having a dialogue about what they're doing, and however, if you just went in with your Facebook hat on and said. Shark, the fishing, the fishing and the sharks absolute vilify them. These people need shutting down. It's like you're not taking into account the very real lives and the very real concerns and, and activities that, that these people are involved in. You can't just vilify someone no. just because they happen. It happens with cage diving all the time. If you're a cage diving operation, some people will say you absolutely do not respect and love sharks. And that is 100% not true. So exactly. I think anytime you shut dialogue down in shark advocacy and, and discussion about education and, and conservation if you shut that down and you say well that person once went fishing and caught a shark therefore they do not belong on this group you're completely missing the point it's like exactly it's very important to be open-minded and to hear people out of course that as long as everyone is being respectful but it is it's very important to open up your minds a little bit and hear the people out these people are humans too what i really find funny is how everyone will vilify somebody who catches a shark, but they have no problem munching down that seafood at Red Lobster or yeah. as if that plays no role in the negative effects on shark populations and impacts the environments that they live in. Yeah. We all have a role and ownership to play in 
the well-being of our ocean. I mean, every time we flush the toilet bowl, we play a role in the health of our ocean. Mm -hmm. So I I think people need to um, try not to be so judgmental and not be so quick to come out the door and um, vilify somebody. Hear them out. It's through that education. It's through that dialogue that you do create change, that people do become more aware. You might even be able to take part in educating a fisherman how to be a better, more ethical fisherman. Hmm. Nobody wants to catch these animals and be vilified for it when they think in their own mind that they're doing a good thing. Of course, there are people that you'll never be able to educate that aren't going to have an open mind to it, hearing what you have to say in any way, shape or form. But I can promise you there are other young anglers out there that do want to learn, that do want positive attention. When you shut those people out, you're you're actually taking away from the advocacy for that animal. You're missing an opportunity for advocacy, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it reminds me, something you said that reminds me, I had a really interesting little conversation with uh, Alison Cock in South Africa who worked at the time she was working with Shark Spotters and Save Our Seas Foundation and so on. And she was talking to us about some of the game parks who would organize hunting expeditions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but would be purely breeding those animals like lions purely for that purpose. Instantly, you know, I'm like, oh, no, absolutely not. And then the more she talks and said, well, yeah, but hang on a second, because what, what they were showing through some of those organizations who were doing that, they were actually showing that obviously you're taking away from the, the the game parks and the game operations that are doing it A, illegally, or B, unethically. Yeah. And while you could you could instantly put your foot down and say, there's no way you should be breeding big cats just to go and shoot them. But actually, by doing so, their argument was, is for the two or three that we might do that in, in a year, you're actually taking away that if you block that out and say absolute, you know, disgraceful behavior, those people will go and do it somewhere else. And actually in greater numbers, instantly when someone says, yeah, we breed, we breed these cats for, um, you know, for, for a hunting expedition. Kind of hunting. You could instantly shut that down. I mean, it's not something personally I, I'm comfortable with and I don't particularly agree with it, but I can't argue with the fact that there's a conversation to be had and I can't just instantly shut that person down who does that. I need to try and understand what they're getting at. And it was a bit of an eye-opener to a different point of view. And that's... Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. You can disagree with the act itself, but you can't deny the fact that these reserves actually help towards protecting the wildlife in the area too. If they don't have their funding, then the area doesn't have that protection. It's one of those things where you truly, by shutting yourself out, you're denying some truth. Mm. It might be an ugly truth, but it's the truth. Just because you're open to hearing something or hearing somebody else's view or how something works, it doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It's an educational opportunity. Yeah. By having an open mind, you do actually help in the end. One of the recent posts we had was about whale sharks in captivity. Hmm. Somebody had posted a you know, a picture of the uh, the aquarium in Japan, sorry, in Okinawa that has whale sharks. And I believe there's one in the States as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously that ignited the whole debate about aquariums and whether aquariums serve a purpose mm-hmm. but can i t- what, what's, what's your thoughts on that given the the issues around it that people can argue and again can shut people out because how dare you say you go to an aquarium well uh, it's funny that that was uh we're talking about 
future topics, that was one that I was going to bring up that, that we should cover. So it's kind of funny you asked that question. And yes, because I was thinking about that post uh, the other day, like about aquariums and charged captivity and things like that. That's one of those that I also have learned to realize that it's more than just having a shark stuck in a, in a you know, in an aquarium. Obviously, they do it for a spectacle and, and to attract people. And, and it's to see a big shark, like a world shark on the tank. It's, it's a little tough to see such a big animal not able to, even though it's a big tank, but it's not the ocean, not even close. Yeah. So it's hard to see it. But I do understand, again, trying to look at things from different angles. Yeah, aquariums can be brutal, but there's also educational. Like I said, you could bring, you could, uh, somebody that lives away from the ocean that will never be able to go to the ocean because of fear or something. The only way that they're going to have a chance to see a shark I, I, I can't understand that. I'm not going to vilify those people for, for wanting to experience that because I have educated myself in an aquarium. Sure, yeah. Me, me. We, that I, live, I live right by the ocean, right? But I've been to aquariums and I enjoy aquariums in the past. And I've seen sharks in aquariums and I go, yeah, it bothers me to see it. But you, again, it's about the perspective you're looking at things from. My little boy loves aquariums. He got into sea life and, and ocean life. Well, he started by watching Finding Dory, yeah. <laughs> which like, if that's his route in, great. But then he got obsessed with like, you know, I want to go to an aquarium. So we took him to it. It became his like his second home. And and in one of them, he went, there was a, a giant Pacific octopus. Yeah, Man, that kid loved it so much. But he came away from that learning so much about that the animal and that's what i'm saying i'm not i'm not I, i'd rather not see I'm not, I'm not gonna say every type of fish because you know we understand that different kind of levels of the species that yeah i mean a whale a whale shark in captivity is i don't know that's it's a little uncomfortable with me but i'm gonna go back to some people might never be able to ever see a whale shark yeah so if you want to go to an aquarium at to atlanta or you want to go to Tokyo and see it, it, that's the only way you're going to be able to experience it. As much as I would hate to see that whale, I, I'm, I'm, I, haven't been, I haven't been to Atlanta Aquarium, so I don't know. And I don't even know if I want to see it. I've seen enough sharks and aquariums to feel uncomfortable, but not to the point that, oh, the shark is really suffering or the shark is really uh, having a bad time or the shark, it, these people are cruel. No, some of these people really take care of these animals right? and they really... And they take the time to take care of this fish. And, and I'd rather see that than SeaWorld. But you have to get the pros and cons for everything. Aquarium, sometimes we have fish, not sometimes, a lot of times. And then the uh, turtles and other type of species, and they put them back in the ocean eventually when they, when they can be put in the ocean. Some, some of them cannot be, so they need to stay in, behind a, a glass for the rest of their life, which I learned through the years that the aquariums do that too. So again, education is so important just because, oh, aquarium, look at the shark in the aquarium. No, that's it. I'm out of here. Yeah. No, man. That, that you, You're not helping the shark by getting so close-minded at all. I think if an aquarium has some like further outreach into other programs and, and, and education and so on, and not just about, come and give me your ticket, give me your dollars for my ticket. But so they don't do. Yeah, exactly. And listen, not all aquariums are created equal. There are some really great aquariums out there that do take their animal ethical treatment very seriously yeah with the whale sharks it's a little tough for me because i'm going to be honest with you the first thing i did when i saw the post light up was i went and checked out the migratory paths of whale sharks yeah 
And when you see the activity of this animal, the lifestyle of the animal, it's very hard to condone containing an animal like that. Sure. There's no recreation of the ebbs and waves of our ocean. But in the same breath, then we have sandbar sharks, which are very popular in aquariums, sand tiger sharks. These animals also migrate many miles. To me, it depends on the animal's lifestyle, how it's being treated. And you guys are right. I mean, some of these aquariums are the only option these families, children have to see what the ocean holds. That could be life-changing for some of these children, like you're saying with your son, Ricardo. I mean, you never know what that experience might bloom into later in life. So I think whale sharks, again, could it be hypocritical to say they they shouldn't be there, but then why should any other creature? But again, the whole point of this discussion is you can't be so black and white all the time. You need to consider. Every species is different. Exactly. But my, my little boy started with sea life. Then he got into squids. He got obsessed with squids and he learned all about squids. Yeah. I see him now. I mean, right now, as I speak, he's, he's out at the pond um, in the back garden looking for <laughs> frogs because there's some frogs there. And he's been nurturing some tadpoles that he found uh, that was struggling in a in a, in a little um, like offshoot of a river. And he brought them home and put them in a tank and now they're in the pond. Yeah. And, <laughs> and But you see this guy. This little, this little guy, and he—the way he holds wildlife, mm-hmm. the way he looks at them, the way he's interested in them. I mean, you know, he'll get upset when when a fly gets damaged, or a bee, yeah, or a, a leech. He's obsessed with leeches as well. I mean, but that all, I can absolutely trace that back to his first interest in sort of like marine life was absolutely by watching a film and then saying, "I want to go to the aquarium," and it absolutely just blew his mind, and he just got obsessed with marine life then, and he, he's learned everything about wildlife from then on, snakes. African animals, everything. It's very hard to deny the fact that these aquariums can capture the soul. Like I said, some you know, some people are landlocked and will never have the opportunity to see this life ever. And aquariums bring a great opportunity for that, for the public. Not just that, but they also, you know, we have a lot of kids that go to school to be marine biologists and have this dream to work with sharks or cephalopods or marine mammals, et cetera. And and aquariums are their only avenue. I think we forget that uh, these people started off with a great love for those animals too. I think it would be wrong to deny the fact that, like I said before, not all aquariums are created equal. I think sometimes we need to give staff some kudos because uh, there's they do a lot of great good too. These are our future researchers. These This is where they get their hands-on experience. Yes. Um, and they need that. And we need them. Sure. You know, and it's just something you can't deny. Is it is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. I've seen situations where, um, especially with the sand tiger sharks, you see scoliosis forming. There's yep. deformities. Um, there's one in my local aquarium that he has to continually swim. He's always at the top because he can't control his buoyancy. And it's a little heartbreaking to see. I'm a little more educated on what's going on with him than maybe some of the people in the public are. So it's it can be distressing for me. Or when I see a black tip in a, a three foot by five foot tank and it's just zipping in circles and, mm. you know, everything in my heart just wants to call the management and say, what are you doing here? You know, it, it's it's a very difficult. And like I said, not all aquariums are created equal. 
there's some great aquariums. I remember reading the stories. Um, I believe the aquariums in South Africa, they catch the sand tiger sharks and then they later release them back into the wild. It's temporary holds. It's quite a fascinating program. Yeah, the one in Cape Town, the Two Oceans Aquarium in Cape Town, is a fantastic aquarium. But their outreach is to other areas. It's not just the aquarium. It's the surrounding community as well um, and the education for that. Yes. And also, remember, this aquarium is also uh, not only educational for people that want to be marine biologists, but they also, for kids that have uh, you know, uh, autism and yeah, and issue, many issues that they have. Yes, uh, especially nowadays, so you see all these different uh, diseases are coming on with kids. Oh yeah, uh, that's the only way that they're gonna be able to see that. And you should see their faces when they see a fish, just a fish, just a little fish. Imagine in an aquarium with you see all these different animals coming at you, coming from all the angles and all the different tanks. So people have to be a little more, uh, they have to be a little, they have to have a little heart to understand that it's not all about you, how mad you are about seeing something. There's many other situations that what people will go to an aquarium for. Mm -hmm. I hardly ever go to, that's my choice. But when I have to go with somebody that I I know I'm going to teach somebody something or somebody that enjoys that never going to be able to go to the ocean because they have a phobia, I'll take them to the aquarium. I'll take them to whatever aquarium, I don't care. Because I know that I'll be able to educate the person a little bit and the person can be able to if they go to a good aquarium like the monterey in san francisco in san california even the, the george atlanta uh, the atlanta aquarium is it's a very good aquarium for education yeah. and, and but it's just a matter of where you go and with the people that like you say the community that surrounds that aquarium and how involved are they with that aquarium when it comes to making sure that everybody that nobody's trying to do anything ugly there yeah or that everybody's still going by the rules and, and, and you know it happens in zoos and also in zoos not every zoo is the same yes uh you gotta have an open mind to everything that comes with an aquarium and zoos because not all of them are the same and if you take the time to research them and look at the progress they have you'll be surprised what you're gonna find and how unaware you were of uh, how many things that you could learn from an aquarium. Those opportunities to learn could come from anywhere. I mean, how many people do you know, certainly I know, who know so much more about uh, big cat conservation from watching from watching that flipping netflix tiger king show yeah they watch it out of because you know it's netflix drama and everyone's talking about it and the, the characters and the guys on it you know are interesting to watch and it's a crazy story but i know so many people who have learned some things about about tigers in captivity just from watching a show you never know where that opportunity is going to come from yes. and even in in south africa when and i was out there last and you've seen a lot of the kids who live around there that, who are living on the doorstep of you know prolific great white shark areas but they don't get to go and see them yeah because you can't pay the guy, you no. know, the money to go out on a boat to see them or you're not allowed to go out on the boat or the fishermen obviously are in the area and stuff. You can be right next to the ocean and still need a learning opportunity that's right on your doorstep. And as I say, Cape Town Aquarium offers some fantastic educational programs. And, yes. And, and that's for people who are on the doorstep of why we're here talking, great white sharks. And, and let's remember, too, just like the preserves that you were discussing earlier, Ricardo, um, it's the same for some of our aquariums, too. 
the money that they generate from people coming in to see their exhibits, in some cases actually helps to save other animals that are in distress, especially with our marine mammals. Some of these, um, like SeaWorld is definitely not a favorite and um, I will never agree with orca captivity or I'm I'm not really big on on any captivity, but I have to have an open mind to the fact that this is the only way some people will ever get a chance to see these animals. I do know the effect it has. It has an extremely positive effect on a majority of the people that do visit these aquariums. Yeah. Um, I think we have to remember, though, that uh, some of the money generated does actually go towards saving the lives of other animals. Let's say somebody decides to buy a black tip reef shark for their aquarium at home. The animal gets too big. Well, where does it go? You know, or when we have a marine mammal stranding and we have a pot of pilot whales that come in, who's going to take in these animals and rehabilitate them so they can be released back into the wild? I mean, all of this stuff costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, dollars that you could not even imagine. So in a sense, those other animals are contributing towards saving the lives of other animals. If you can get out there and see them in the natural habitat, then obviously, you know, fantastic. Yeah, you're very lucky. I understand all that, which I agree that definitely that money goes to conservation some way or another. But as long as you're honest with this kid about this is not what these whales or dolphins do in the wild. I mean, they might do it on naturally, but they don't do it by somebody throwing fish at them or, or putting a ball and, and, and hanging from the top so they could, she could jump or somebody riding the whale. Or, yeah. So as long as you're honest to them and tell them, this is not the natural way this animal should live. Yeah, that's right? a good because point. I, yeah. And that's my point. I, I, I'm, I, don't, I haven't been to SeaWorld in forever and I'm not planning to go, but I don't tell people not, go, not to go, you know, because again, like you guys say, and like we've been talking about, you could learn something from it. But as long as you're going there with an honest mind, and you're educated enough to understand that that's not what you, that's not how it's supposed to be. At least the shows. Some fish are fine in captivity. Some, you know, are, it's, it's controversial. Like Melissa said, the sandbar shark it shouldn't be there because it's a migratory species, a black tip. I know it, they could live in a an aquarium because they yeah you know, they live in a reef. But it's sad to see them just swimming around in, in a little tank in in a, in a store. Or in a clothing store, you know, it's frustrating to see that because there's no conservation. There's no conservation yeah. there at all. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that you're learning from there. You're seeing a fish going in a circle. Get it's heartbreaking. It's because I've seen it and and it's heartbreaking. But as long as you're honest with people and you tell them go to Sea World or understand this, especially kids, because or, if you're an adult, you should know better by now. But your kids, tell them be honest with them and make sure you're straight with them about what. It's same, same with the zoos. Same with anything that that you have animals holding them that they're in northern natural habitat because that's going to be beneficial for them in the future for the kids because they're going to understand that. And then maybe they're going to go, you know what? I'm going to make an effort to someday go out there and go take a tour in a boat to see if I could see a killer whale or if I could see dolphins or if I could see pirate whales in Antarctica or whatever, Alaska, whatever. Do that, and I think you'll be at least you're going to be in the right side of the 
uh, history, in my opinion. Yeah. More future advocates are created by these experiences than people realize. Yes. Yeah. When you get into like again the social media aspect that that drives this, I guess it's what's termed these days as cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen somebody talking positively about an aquarium i've seen a fisherman joining this shark group and it's this cancel culture of you know we've got to shut that down black and white shut that down you don't discuss it you don't look at it you know it's just nothing to do with us it's the same with uh i mean i'm vegetarian but i'm i'm not vegan mm-hmm. but i know people who are vegan some vegans are extremely happy to sit at the table while someone has some meat. I have no problem with somebody sat eating meat next to me, mm-hmm. but then some will go absolutely outraged, you know? And, oh, and yeah. The, I guess the, the point we're doing with the whole cancel culture thing on a group like ours, I'm sorry, but we don't we don't tolerate that. We're not out to witch hunt. No. We're not out to shut people down because it's counterproductive to, you know, to what we're striving to do, which is have these conversations. Uh, we we three here might agree on a point. Javier, you've said many things on past episodes that have challenged me when it comes to Chris Fisher and the likes or the episode we did on Touching Sharks. You know, I was hoping we could get somebody, like you were saying earlier, uh, Melissa, about getting a future show where we show another side to to a debate that we might have had. Yeah. We might all agree on something. Yeah. But I'd, I'd love it if some of those guys who are pro touching sharks for whatever reason to, to come on and talk about it and talk about the other side of it because there will be one hopefully i'll be setting up this podcast in the near future with chip michael love but um chip and i did not start off as friends nope. i came out swinging we had a full social media blowout i remember that. um that many people witnessed it was not pretty in any way shape or form I'm never going up against you on social media, Melissa. Never. You get the Jersey girl. (laughs) I will say this. It was through reaching out to each other and getting on the phone with each other and respectfully discussing this as adults that we found out, wow, we're pretty great people. And, And you know what? I learned a tremendous amount from Chip, and I hope Chip learned a tremendous amount from me. I do consider Chip a true friend. He's great. He's somebody I trust. He's somebody I would reach out to now. And he's a great guy. But when I first came at Chip, all I was seeing was Shark Killer. And, you know, he's tagging for O-Search. So, I mean, anybody who really knows me knows I'm one of the biggest anti-O-Search freaks out there. You know, so we didn't start off on a uh, smooth sailing trip. We need to hear this episode. Yes. We need to <laughs> you need to move this on. If you haven't done it by the time of the next one, get on that because we need that is a conversation I would love to it's hear. A learning lesson for others too because if I hadn't been an open-minded advocate, I would have cut my own nose off to spite myself. Yeah. I do not judge fishermen. Like I said earlier, there's some great guys out there. They really do mean well. And I think we should just be a little more open to hearing their side. We don't have to agree with what they're doing. We just have to be a little more open-minded and and just hear them out. I think it will surprise people. It's social media. We're not looking at each other eye to eye. We're, we're not face-to-face sort of say, and and it's very easy to be an armchair warrior and just light that keyboard up. I've done it many times. Yep. I have literally shut down O-Search at times, you know, when when back in the day when we would uh, basically thunderclap them and Sarah and I, and, 
it was pretty incredible. And we were definitely a thorn in their ass. But there, there's a there's another side. And uh, it's very important that we be open minded to those things. And uh, speaking of Sarah, yes. uh, we another future uh, episode that we're currently going to be hopefully recording soon is uh, oh, is with so fellow admin one. Sarah, who uh, Sarah is a very, very, very keen scuba diver. Yeah, she oh, she just has some incredible trips. In fact, the reason we haven't managed to get her on this podcast yet is because she's always out scuba diving. Yes. So we uh we're currently lining that up. So next few episodes you'll definitely be hearing from from Sarah and she's gonna tell us some great stuff about diving with sharks for sure. I think that'll be a great show. Also got um Rob Lawrence, uh who many of you may know. I'm not gonna do the shameless plug for the film. I'm not doing it, but Rob Lawrence, as many will know who I've who I've interviewed before. Yeah. Uh, for a little film he's uh he's gonna come on do a little uh podcast he's worked with dirt before he's the guy who took dirk out on a lot of his photography trips uh, and also from that area um again lives about an hour away from me now in the uk a chap called brandon kilbride who's uh got a lot to say about surfing surfing and sharks oh, awesome. and what's it like being out on the water with yeah you know that's awesome when you know there's great white sharks right under you oh out there, yeah oh you and know. you'll never catch me denying i i mean uh, living on the jersey sure there's times where you know you happen to swim out past the breaks and you're just sitting out there alone and I would be a liar if I said I never had that feeling that somebody was with me, you know? So uh, that that will be that will definitely be a, a great cast. The guy's got a lot to say about a lot of things, but I particularly want to talk to him about surfing because he was a, a massive part of the surfing world down in South Africa. And again, he, he also has seen a lot of the criticism because he worked on cage boats, cage diving boats as well. The the. But once again, you know, it would be great if members could chime in and let us know if there's a subject they'd like us to discuss. Well, maybe you'd like to be on the podcast. Maybe you you have a particular topic or area that you're an expert on or have involvement with that you want to come on and, and join us. We're, we're certainly open to that. Yeah, we're always looking to be educated. Always looking to be educated more and more. Yeah, and I, I think people need to realize we're just regular Joes just like them. You know, we all start from somewhere. I think it would be great if more joined in with us. And like I said, let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know if there's somebody you'd like us to reach out to and see if they would be open to joining us for a podcast. You know, keep listening. We really, really appreciate it. Keep with those great discussions on, on the page that uh, I've seen so many good ones lately. Keep them up because they definitely get really lively, but <laughs> most of them have been very, very uh, respectful, which I I enjoyed. And we are, as an administrator, you make our job easier when you have great discussions without getting on each other's nerves. So I'm glad to see you guys discussing stuff and posting stuff. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Don't be afraid. And if somebody bothers you, come to us. Hit that report button. Actually, we have keyword alert set up for vulgar language and or search. So if, yeah. <laughs> if, <Yeah>. if <laughs> you include those, we're straight on your post. We want to know why you're talking about it or why you're using that filthy language. Yes. <laughs> but yes. yes and, and be smart sharks during this COVID epidemic. Yes. Just keep yourself safe and and just know that we're all wishing you all the best during this trying time. And and we hope that our podcasts are helping you pass your time. Amen. Absolutely. We turn to this page, our group daily. So whatever you're doing on there, whatever you're talking about, however you're interacting with fellow members and admins, 
we're looking at it daily. So it's a big part of our lives. Yeah. We'll do our um, best. So please keep it coming. Well, we're just about out of time today. Really appreciate your, your thoughts today, both Javier and Melissa. We are The White Shark Interest Group is available. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member, we're currently nearly 47,000 members. So please come and wow. join us and let's get up to that. I know that's a big number. I know, I know. Wow. The largest White Shark specific group on Facebook. Come join us. And if you're already a member, thank you so much for still being here. If you didn't know, you can also get involved and reach out on our other channels. We have our Instagram at whitesharp underscore interest group. We have our website at whitesharpinterestgroup.com. Uh, and of course, you can get this podcast on all the places, not just on your audio sites like iTunes, Spotify, but you can also uh, get us on YouTube as well. You don't see us. We're not on webcam, but sometimes people like to just stick YouTube on in the background uh, or on their mobile phones, uh, their cell phones. So please get in touch with us any way you want. Reach out to us. So once again, thank you today to Mr. Javier Rios. Cheers. Stay safe. And thank you to Melissa Michelson. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your contributions towards the forum. And like I said, be a smart shark and stay safe. See ya. We will see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>